Hey all, this is Sean Gerber. Thank you for listening today, but before we get started, I have a couple of questions for you. Are you caught in the daunting maze of CISSP preparation, unable to find your way forward? That's precisely where I found myself when I began studying for the CISSP. Overwhelmed would be an understatement. There are now an ocean of CISSP training programs available, and are you unsure which ones to trust? I remember the struggle, but there was nothing accessible to me outside of the pricey boot camps. And that's precisely why CISSP Cyber Training came into existence, to illuminate your pathway towards acing the CISSP exam. At CISSP Cyber Training, I've forged the CISSP blueprint into a step-by-step guide to navigate you through the intricacies of the CISSP journey designed to provide you the direction and guidance you need to pass the CISSP exam confidently. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to what one of my students, Kevin Fallon, had to say about the CISSP blueprint. This is precisely what I needed in your course, direction. The blueprint is the perfect roadmap to stay on track. I appreciate its clarity and tangible sense of progress it brings. A phenomenal tool for revision. And then there was another from Christopher Wagstaff. Sean Gerber, your guidance was invaluable throughout the CISSP study and certification process. Thank you for breaking the monotony. Once you've wrapped up with the podcast, make your next stop, CISSPCybertraining.com, and let's together turn the tide in your favor, meeting your CISSP goals and catapulting your career in cybersecurity. Now, without further ado, let's get going. Giddy up. Welcome to the CISSP Cyber Training Podcast where we provide you the training and tools you need to pass the CISSP exam the first time. Hi, my name is Sean Gerber, and I'm your host for this action-packed, informative podcast. Join me each week as I provide the information you need to pass the CISSP exam and grow your cybersecurity knowledge. All right, let's get started. Hey, all, it's Sean Gerber with CISSP Cyber Training, and how are you all today? I hope everybody's doing well on this beautiful day. I um, mean, here in Wichita, Kansas, it's a gorgeous uh, evening, and we have a thunderstorm rolling into town, so it's going to be quite pleasant. I actually enjoy those a lot. From being my days of flying B1s and seeing the weather from a meteorologist standpoint, it is awesome. I just love watching the weather. It's super cool. But you aren't here to talk about weather. You are here to talk about CISSP, right? Taking the CISSP exam and what you need to do to pass that doggone test. So we're going to talk about today securing the chain, the supply chain, and how you need to understand supply chain risk management. And it's typically called SCRM, or phonetically, phonetically, Sierra Charlie Romeo Mike, right? So we're going to talk about supply chain risk management. And the reason we're going to talk about that today is because, one, it's in domain one, because we're starting over at domain one, and that's a positive. The second thing is, though, is it's become such a humongous thing that you're going to have to deal with as relates to your company that you go and work for. In today's world, everything is connected. And I I can't express this enough. I was talking to a friend of mine who is associated with a nonprofit and, and talking to him and what are the different 
aspects that he has to work through to related to security. It's amazing. And on top of that, it's not his full-time job. And the supply chain, the people that are supplying him with what he does, they as well have been victims of many different types of cyber attacks. So it is happening to everybody. And it's one of those aspects that when you as a security professional get your CISSP and you move on, you, you cannot leave this or stop doing what you're doing and you really need to help other people. And what I mean by that is that various nonprofits do need your help, especially when you get the CISP done. You, you have a lot of skills and you have a lot of technical knowledge and you can give back because you're going to get paid well. There's no question about it. But what you're going to want to do is you're also going to want to give back to nonprofits and to other companies uh, that need some assistance that can't do it themselves. Mainly your local schools, your local uh, municipalities, your local governments, as well as any nonprofits you may have. It's an important factor because they are struggling in this world. And unfortunately, they don't have people like you to help them because honestly, they can't afford it. So Something to think about. I know it's a little bit down the path of uh, altruism, but uh, it's really is important. That doesn't matter how much money you make or what you do; it's who you help. And you really need to use the skills you have as a security professional to help lots of people. So, what exactly is supply chain risk management? So, really, what it comes down to is it's a process by which you encompass identification, assessments, mitigation, and monitoring of potential risks to the business supply chain. Now, what exactly is a supply chain? So, let's just say you are a manufacturing company and you make a widget. And in this widget, it's made out of plastic, for an example. Well, you need to be able to get the stuff that you melt down, the plastic, melt that down and you put that into a form, right? That's how you make your plastic plastic widget. Well, you need to get that plastic from somebody. So you buy that from another company that provides you the plastic, but you have to get the plastic to you. So how do you get the plastic to you at your location so you can make the widget? Well, you have trucking companies and these trucking companies may even use freight or like rail freight to be able to get the plastic to you. So uh, and then there's the gas. The gas is maybe a need a large gas containers to, to move your trailers or whatever it is. But you can see that this just-in-time type of mentality or business process we've created here in around the globe, honestly, is it's all very dependent upon each of these cogs working together. Now, if you go and you disrupt one of these cogs and you disrupt one of these areas of getting the information or the data or the product or whatever it is to you, it then totally throws everything out of balance. And that's your supply chain. So you need to, even though you may put a really tight, strong um, protection around your company, but you may have secondary companies that actually connect into your networks that provide you information, provide you products that you don't necessarily protect. So you're going to need to understand what is that risk mentality around those. So these risks can range from physical vulnerabilities, such as transport disruptions, like I just kind of mentioned, you know, train, rail, that's rail, uh, shipping from a trucks and so forth, to digital threats, like obviously cyber breaches and so forth. You don't know what's going to happen. So like for an example, I know of a company that uh, was a supply chain provider. They got hacked. In the process of getting hacked, they ended up, it caused all kinds of disruption throughout their entire supply chain. And so by doing so, and you can go to any place on the web and you can see these exact same stories playing out time and time again. 
So when we have global business ops and everybody's dealing with an interconnected supply chain, because it isn't just, hey, I have my company, it makes widget A, and you know what? There is this transportation company and only that transportation company serves me. No, that's not the case. That transportation company will serve multiple companies. Uh, as an example, my wife has a Kona Ice franchise, right? And as that Kona Ice franchise, she gets product from various places. Well, that product comes in through like Cisco or these various other third parties that will provide you that type of product. Well, if they get hacked, I can't get my product. If I can't get my product, I can't sell my product. I can't make money. I go out of business. So, so it's an important factor that you really need to understand how to best do this. Now, it also comes into that when you're maintaining this, you're these different types of supply chain issues. You need to understand business continuity, securing your intellectual property, and then also safeguarding your company's reputation. And all of those can be pretty much mixed together depending upon what your company does for a living. Now, when the organization's supply chain is compromised, these ramifications and these consequences can go well beyond a financial loss. Okay, so you have the financial hit, you maybe you deal with a situation where you don't aren't having revenue, but because of the reputational hit, now you lose customers or now you lose vendors that are worth supplying you before, but they don't want to supply you now because of the legal and, and reputational aspects that you may have to go through. So it's an important factor as you as a CISSP and as you as a security professional need to consider it's not just, hey, my supply company got hacked. It's, okay, what are the cascading effects that affect you? Now, how does this relate with cybersecurity? Like we talked about before is everything is interconnected. It's all through, and I'll just give you an example with another friend of mine who is a police chief in a very large facility or a very large uh, city. And in this very large city as the police chief, I mean, it's not super large. It's probably around 20, 30,000 maybe. And he's a police chief. And in this police, as a police chief, he does with all kinds of things from EMS, fire, the police, all that stuff comes into central locations and it's all managed by central computers, right? Well, we see this time and again where the that if those get compromised, it can cause all kinds of issues where people cannot respond to 911 calls or any sort of emergency action calls. So therefore, it's important that you have a good grasp of what are your risks. Now, you may have situations that come up where you just may have to accept the risk, but you really truly need to understand what are the risks to your company. As I was talking to my buddy, he's like, I realized just a couple things that I mentioned to him. Hey, you might want to consider this. You might want to consider that. Because even though he's in it, he doesn't see all the risks that are associated with it. Therefore, i.e. we come in as security professionals, we can then talk to them and give them guidance, which it's not in their world. He's a really good police officer. He's not a good hacker and that's not a good security person. Why? Because that's not his comparative advantage. Now we're going to talk about, we have a couple of use cases I'm going to get into here just at the end of the podcast, but one of them you'll, I'll kind of touch through here is the solar winds breach in 2020. And this is a factor where they, hackers were able to get access to thousands of organizations globally via compromised software updates. Okay. This also just happened with Fortinet and, and there's a multiple ones that are happening and you can see it pretty much on a monthly basis. There's one significant supply chain situation pretty much monthly. Now they all vary in their complexity and their impact, but it's continuing to happen. 
And I would be willing to bet that in most cases, it's because these supply chains are run by smaller organizations or smaller groups of people. And therefore, what ends up happening is they don't have the resources, obviously, to protect their environment. But what is what the whole solar winch thing basically proved is that a single vulnerability in the supply chain can have widespread implications. And that was a great example of how it actually did. Now, when we talk about the CISSP, what are some key things around why is SCRM an important factor? Well, again, of the eight domains, we talk about security operations as one. Domain one, we get into various other aspects. But at the end of all of this is that it emphasizes the importance of hardware, software, and third-party services, the vetting of them and the controlling of them. Now, I will tell you that one thing that I always consider is when I'm bringing on a third party, wherever that might be, you want to walk through and do your due diligence around what do they have. One, what are they going to be asking for within your company, whatever that might be, uh, whether they want a VPN connection, whether they want an account, whether they want API connections, you're, they're going to want to know what these folks want within your environment. And so there's also you're going to want to have individuals that work in your company that may be doing background checks on the company itself. So they call it Dun and Bradstreet check. They may do that just to see, hey, are these folks paying their bills? Are they a legitimate business? You're going to want to have multiple checks on these third parties, especially if they become one of those that's critical to the operation of your business. So as an example, you have, um, let's say your manufacturing facility. I talk about that a lot because that's obviously something I deal with. But when you deal with a manufacturing facility, do how is that powered? Is it powered through natural gas? Is it powered through electricity? Is it powered through um, fuel, like diesel fuel? It, whatever that might be, whatever could be powering your facility, is that a critical link? Do you own that capability on site to your facility or do you outsource that and pay for the electricity, for the gas, for whatever that might be? So if you if that is the case, then that is a critical situation within your company. And a good example of this is what happened, I think, a couple of years ago in the winter down in Texas when there were multi, super cold time, freezing temperatures way below normal. And what ended up happening is, is it caused all kinds of disruptions to that part of the country because they weren't used to that, that level of cold. More heat was being produced, therefore less gas or reserves were available, so on and so forth. It all has a consequence to it. So it's again, it's really important that you understand these principles for passing the CISSP because they're going to be directly involved in what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, you must really understand when you're talking for the test, what are the supply chain threats and then what are the impacts to you? That the, the point of it is, is that you need to kind of, you may have to ask specific people within your organization, what could be the impact? So I'll give you an example. You're the IT person. And as the IT person, you go, all right, if this system goes down, uh, you then will run into a situation where the power goes off in your facility. Okay, well, that's bad. But you need to find out from the people that own the facility, whatever that might be, what would is, is the impact of the power going down? And, they may, and this comes down to business continuity planning. You may say, have a situation where, okay, if the power goes down for two hours, we're golden. If it goes down for eight hours, I'm now losing X amount a day. If it goes down for 20 hours, I'm losing X amount. So you might want to have to go through that and understand with your leaders of your business when you get on there, what would those potentially be? So again, those are it's, it's important that you do understand your supply chain and you really need to kind of grasp 
what are some of the key factors around that? Okay, so what are some key components of the SCRM? So it's crucial to identify potential risks within your supply chain by analyzing analyzing all its components. Again, we talked about from raw materials that are sourcing to the actual end product delivery. Now you may be in the middle of that. And so you go, okay, well for me, if I'm in the middle and it's coming from being physically created out of a chemical or it's oil coming right out of the ground, what part of that whole process am I involved in? What part do I have to pass on? And this same type of situation should be occurring with people that are upstream in the business, right? They, they are the ones that are under, they're getting your product as you give it to them. So they need to understand what kind of threat are you to their daily operations. And you need to understand when you do that, you need to look at what are some potential impact packs and the likelihood of these specific risks. So let's go, for example, the stray backhoe or the stray digger, you know, dirt digger. Okay, that may be a situation where you have a lot of maintenance being done in your facility. So if you have a lot of maintenance being done or they're going through a big rapid change, there's a high likelihood that somebody's going to be digging a hole that's going to hit a line that's important to you. Now, if you don't have that within your organization, maybe that's not much of a risk. However, then what could be the one of the risks that happens to you? Maybe you have a publicly exposed website and therefore your risk would go up because it's out there on the internet and it's totally exposed to individuals trying to attack it. So it's important that you use various tools to help you understand the threat, the modeling around it, and the overall risk matrices and come up with a plan. Now, here's the other aspect. There's plenty of tools out there to help give you some good ideas about what is the overall risk strategy for your organization. And I recommend that you do get with your organization's risk professionals to help you walk through how to understand risk and then how to also convey risk. That being said, in some cases, you know what? You just may be sticking your thumb in the air going, yeah, I think that's a threat. Or, yeah, no, I think we're good. One that always is biting everybody now, and you're seeing this time and again, is backup and recovery solutions. There are tons of companies out there, businesses, that do not have good backup and recovery solutions in place. They may have a backup system, but they've never tested it. They've never actually pulled anything. If they're backing up to the cloud, they've never pulled it down. They've never done any of those things to physically test what are some of the risks to their company. And so therefore, they're just hoping, they're making the assumption that, well, IT's got it. IT will take care of it. Well, IT's going, I don't understand the risk, so I'm just backing this stuff up. Well, when things go bad and you go, well, hey, I'm backing it up, and they go, bring it up, let's go, and you don't have it because you never tested it, they're going to blame you. Well, you're going to turn around and blame them because you're going like, well, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. So again, it's important that you do understand all of these various situations that could affect your company. Now, after identifying the risks and assessing these various risks, you need to consider various appropriate mitigation strategies should be developed for these supply chains. Now, what could that be? Well, you say, I don't know. What could that be? Well, you could actually dedicate your own people to help that third party if they're that critical to be secure. Say, say you don't buy them, say that they're just an independent company, but you work really close, you are tied to them very closely, you cannot leave them, you have to have them as your supplier of whatever that is, you could then dedicate resources to help that company secure their network. 
Now, by doing so, you now have the ability to control a little bit of your destiny versus being at the whim of them doing it. Now, the situation comes in, especially if they're a small company, their IT person is their IT person, their finance person, and probably the driver for the CEO. I don't know. But realistically, they've got many different opportunities, many different hats that they're trying to wear to be successful with their company because they're watching costs. Well, I tell you right there, you, know, you can do a lot of things, but you can't do them any good. And it's important for you to hire the right people to get to be able to do the job correctly. Once you pass a CISSP and you become a security officer or you become a director of security or whatever that might be within your company, make sure that you hire the right people that understand the risk. And it's up to you and your role, and this is one of the reasons the CISSP is so important, that it's going to help teach you how do you convey risk, how do you understand risk, and how do you ensure that your people get it so that they can put proper mitigations in place. So when you're looking at monitoring and reviewing supply chains, there's various ways that you can do it. Now, you, you can see, out, go out on Shodan. Shodan will be able to tell you what kind of computers are out there exposed, both for your own internal computers, potentially even third-party computers. There's also the there's third, various third parties that provide this service for you. Um, I think one of them is like Security Scorecard. There is Black Kite. There's various other companies out there that will do this type of activity for you. They'll give you a score. They search the web for any of this company X's vulnerabilities. So like say I'm, I'm, I'm live in Kansas. So one of the, the jokes is Kansas spelled backwards is Saznak, right? So I own company Saznak and Saznak is producing something for this big conglomerate. Well, if I have systems that are on the web, Saznak's computers, you can scan for those. And if you find them vulnerable, you it would be wise to tell me that my systems are vulnerable. Why? Well, because one, if I'm working on your stuff, the last thing you want is me to bring in whatever virus I may have and just basically spoil your network. You don't want that. So it's important that we work together, that you would help me to get my network straight. Now, I say that, Going out there as a security professional, you need to work with your legal teams and your compliance team to ensure that you can do that. There are some ways, some things you can help with and some things you cannot help with. By you helping somebody, uh, you do run the risk that you could actually make things worse. And then therefore, you're open to legal liability. Again, not a lawyer. Don't play one on TV. Don't know anything about the law. I'm just telling you that the moment you open yourself up to teaching these folks, um, you then make sure you could potentially incur some level of risk for your company. So you just want to make sure that you have all of that lined out before you do it. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities to help your third parties secure their networks. And I say that's because, again, like I mentioned before, where if you're dealing with nonprofits, what can you do as a security professional to help nonprofits? You can create security programs for them. That is an important, important piece of what you're trying to accomplish. So it's crucial for businesses to adapt to these changing risk landscapes because they're just going to have to. So understanding supply chain threats and risks, they can range from all different types of aspects, from natural disasters affecting the supplier's operations to potentially cyber criminals obviously getting a hold of their IT systems. Um, but it can end up in a lot of different things. These are some of the outcomes. 
supplier insolvency. Basically, they go out of way, out of business. Uh, quality issues, geopolitical factors, all of that can roll into it. I was just reading an article uh, today or yesterday about a hospital that was hit with ransomware, and this ransomware encrypted everything. And in the process of encrypting it all, they ended up they couldn't accept any more insurance payments. And so they couldn't accept insurance payments because their computers were compromised. So they went out of business. This is a this is a hospital went out of business because of this stuff. So it's important that you do understand these suppliers because now let's say you are that hospital and you get your syringes from this company X. Company X goes out of business. Where are you going to get your syringes? Well, I need my syringes like yesterday. Well, the soonest you can get them from company XYZ is a week and a half. Well, that's not good. So again, you're going to have to work through all these various aspects of the supply chain. And it did, we kind of talked about SolarWinds. We'll come back around to that a little bit and how it impacted everything else. Now, what are some of the, the frameworks that are associated with SCRM? One of them is NIST 800-161. Now, it provides guidelines for federal agencies to implement supply chain risk management practices to protect their critical infrastructure. Now, does, does that NIST 800-161 apply to corporations? No, it does not. Now, they are doing that for federal agencies. However, there's a lot of good things you can glean from these various NIST regulations, especially as they're targeting the U.S. government. Why? Because the government is a monster corporation. It's huge, right? Well, because it's so big, it, it has so many moving parts. Well, you can take some of the aspects that they are highlighting in 800-161 and apply them to your own business. Now, there's other NIST frameworks out there. You know, there's also the ISO 27001 frameworks. There's various frameworks you can use. But when it comes to supply chain risk management, the NIST 800-161 is actually a pretty good one. Now, there's also the ISO 28000. This is another one that's dealing with security risk or security management systems for supply chain. chain. Um, and the ISO 28000. 20,243. Try saying that 10 times. And these, both of these offer what different aspects around from an ISO standard. Now, if you're not familiar with ISO, it's the International Standard Standards Organization. I think that's what it is. They provide a level of standardization that you can use as an example, right? As a template globally. So when you're dealing with a, with a, country such as let's just say China or in Italy and you they want to have some sort of protections in place well the NIST 800 series great that's great for the United States but that doesn't really help China and Italy now they can take those same things and utilize those within their own countries however put it put us let's take a step in their shoes. If I'm from Italy and I'm using the U.S. government's NIST standards, eh, okay, yeah, big U.S., go away, right? Um, but if I have the ISO standards, ooh, that might be more along my lines because it's an international standard and it maybe fits more of what I'm trying to accomplish. The bottom line is, is a, use a framework. You want a framework. Well, the 28,000 is a security manager systems and supply chain framework and the 20,243 is mitigating maliciously tainted and counterfeit products. But bottom line, these are ones you'll hear about when you take your CISSP. So understanding them is a crucial factor. If you got to pick one that you got to know, go with the ISO 28000 and because it's going to be focused on the SCRM. Now, knowledge of each of these standards is crucial as they set the international benchmark. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. 
Now, when you're dealing with strategies to get an effective SCRM, you want to have supply performance management. This basically means you have a criteria for suppliers and you monitor them. Kind of back to what I mentioned before is you're monitoring to ensure that they meet whatever standard you have. If, for example, you have very sensitive data and you have a very high standard about your your third parties, well, checking them out before you actually go and hire them might be a good idea because the last thing you want to have happen is you hire them and give them your most sensitive information and now, yeah, they don't have good controls and that would be bad. So you want to make sure that you have a plan to deal with that. Again, poor supplier performance can reduce risks in the supply chain and supply management strategies can also help detect, detect issues early. If you can detect them early, it's better for everyone, especially you, right? Obviously, if it's your data, you want to make sure you've got a hold of that early rather than later. However, it's, it's important that you are transparent with these various third parties, what you're trying to accomplish. The other point is if there's somebody that is a third party that doesn't really want to partake in what you're coming forward with, they're probably not the third party you want to work with because what they're probably telling you is they don't have in place what you need to ensure that your data is protected. Now, you also want to ensure you have tight controls in place, right, against both physical and the cyber side. Now, this could be accounts have utilized multi-factor authentication. It could be the fact that you have, if you share data with this third, with this supply chain company, uh, that you only share certain pieces of the information. Maybe you share, um, I don't know, sauce A, B, and C, and then you keep D, E, and F, and they never ever see D, E, and F. So the most that you could ever get exposed potentially is A, B, C. So something to consider. You also want to ensure you have some level of security training for staff. This would be your staff. This could also be their staff. Like I mentioned before about teaching, a lot of these companies don't have anything. So if you came up with a training program for these people, how beneficial could that be? And what kind of benefit would it provide to your company building that relationship with them? Again, this is we're, we're all in the same mess together. We're all in the same boat and the boat has some holes in it, and the boat is sinking. We either can all work together to plug the holes, or we all go down together. Now, and then the other thing is, is implementing an incident response plan. What exactly is that? Well, you will talk through the CISSP. We talk frequently about incident response plans, business continuity plans. Well, if you have an incident response plan in place, you are in a really good spot to start going. And you want to also pass on your incident response plan potentially to your third party so they understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. It also may spur on them to go actually get their own plan because maybe they need one themselves. But they're really, really good to help you give you some level of guidance and direction as it relates to the various, uh, yeah, for SCRM. I just totally lost my train of thought. All right. Then the technology, some of the technologies that are using with this. So these can be in various ways, right? Now, AI is coming on the, on the market. You're getting a lot more of the AI out there. That is something that can be happening. You have IoT environments that are connected potentially. What if you have third parties that are managing your th- your networks, how are you dealing with them? Uh, so there's lots of different tools that you may have out there to help you with this overall risk. And some of these other tools could be a supply chain management software, risk assessments, and then various cybersecurity solutions. Each of them have pros and cons associated with them. You just have to decide which one of them is the most useful for 
you. So now what are some of the futures that are dealing with SCRM? Obviously, we've got blockchain and AI have you know, the big buzzwords out there that have, have some level of implication to the SCRM plan. So again, understanding if the AI, well, I, I did like an example today, I saw that AI, whatever that means, uh, helped develop a new vaccine that is going to be ready for human trials. Well, if you have that capability already going and it's looking at all the entrance and exit points and it picks up on anomalies, that would be beneficial. It'd be very beneficial for you. So understanding these new emerging technologies can really help with your organizations so that they and the, the companies that are providing you information and the supply. Future challenges, again, that are dealing with SCRM, obviously threats, global trade regulations, war, you know, those kind of have a have a little bit of a negative impact on global community and the global transport. So it's important that you do understand these. Now, you can't put your head in the sand and live in a bubble. You're going to have to work through these various aspects. However, knowing them is a big factor in ensuring you have the right controls and the right protections in place. And again, as a security professional, you do really need to understand these challenges and, and the opportunities to help get you what you want. Okay, so here's just a couple of use cases that I know there's others that we've just kind of even talked about between this time frame and and now, but these are two of the main ones that I've I've seen and actually have some good numbers behind. So obviously is the solar winds attack, right? That occurred and it really implemented a lot of companies, both private and governmental agencies. Uh, these attackers they got in here, they were able to gain access to the Solar Winds Orion software updates, which basically allowed them to push their code wherever they wanted. This is one of the aspects I did when working as a red teamer. We wanted to try to get into this because it, it would push all of the updates basically magically, right? And you would not have to even look for, for or you wouldn't, all you'd have to do is put them in that package and ship them and you're good. They basically said that it, it included many of the Fortune 500 companies and the government agencies were affected. Uh, and But it, what it really did was, is it, one, it put rebu- negative rebu- reputation on the SolarWinds, obviously, the, the Orion software, but it also opened them up to legal litigation, okay, potentially. I don't know all of that other than to say it would, it would most likely open you up to some level of legal litigation. Uh, again, not a lawyer, don't play one on TV, but that those are considerations you need to be aware of. And so if if you were to be part of this overall third-party hack, you can expect that you will be pulled into something that you may not want to be at some point here. The other one is NotPetya. This is the NotPetya ransomware attack that occurred in 2017. This affected uh, Marsk, Marsk uh, shipping, and they did about $300 million in losses just from that incident alone. They came out and they basically cleaned house. They put in all new equipment. Uh, that was their downtime. Everything was $300 million. And then there was a pharmaceutical giant, Merck. It got hit with another, with the same NotPetya, and it cost them close to a billion, right? Almost $900 million to do that. So we're talking, it's crazy how many damage, how much damages were accomplished. But basically, they're saying that it was around $10 billion has been affected because of these type of ransomware events. Um, I read an article it must have been, gee, how long ago was it? Maybe about a month, two months ago. And they're expecting it to be close to $25 billion in overall 
exposure by 2025. So $25 billion by 2025. I mean, can you imagine? So what is proven is, is that the other, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, the other types of activities that are nefarious out there, your drugs, your money laundering, prostitution, all of those things that cost, that are just extremely detrimental to society, uh, they you can make $10 billion in hacking people. And in their mind, they don't, nobody really got hurt except for cleaning out people's uh, bank accounts. So yeah, that, that's not good. Okay, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys enjoy this. Again, we're talking about supply chain risk management and the importance of it. And I hope you all have a blessed day and we will catch you on the flip side. See ya. Thanks so much for listening today, as it was my pleasure to prep you for the CISSP exam. But are you interested in some free CISSP exam questions? Head on over to CISSPQuestions.com and sign up to join my email list, and you will gain access to 30 free CISSP questions each and every month. That's a total of 360 questions just for signing up with CISSP Cyber Training. You will also gain access to other free resources. So just head on over to freeCISSPQuestions.com or CISSPCybertraining.com and sign up today. All right, have a wonderful day and we'll catch you on the flip side. See you.